0: Welcome to Knights of the Braille. Knights of the Braille are groups of blind and visually impaired Dungeons & Dragons players. If you would like to get more information, please visit knightsofthebraille.com Hello and welcome to a beginner's guide to creating a Dungeons & Dragons character. I'm Jim from Knights of the Braille I'm going to talk you through how you make a character as best I can I'm going to speak to complete beginners so this is under the assumption that you've never played the game before you don't know how any of it works the idea behind this is that a lot of people seem to say you know I really want to play the game I understand how the game works but I have no idea where to begin creating a character, it seems overwhelming and intimidating and I agree. I think character creation is the worst introduction to Dungeons and Dragons. I think playing the game is the best way to learn the mechanics and learn how a character works. The first time you create a character it might not be optimal but it can be fun and that's what we're going to try to do today. Uh, If you get the opportunity I'd suggest running in a one-shot where you just do a quick character creation when you get there. You just pick an ability you're good with, a skill you're good with and a weapon and you get a basic armor class. I've run one-shots like that before for brand new people who've never played that want to try it out and don't want to create a character. It's a lot of fun. But there aren't many games like that. Most require you to make a full character and that's what we're going to do right now. So before we begin. I'm going to make the assumption that the person listening to this has never ever played before and so I'm going to explain the first question you may have which is how the hell do we play the game it's pretty simple you have your character so that could be let's say an elven ranger which is usually a pretty cliche but pretty popular character to play and this elven ranger you engage with the Dungeons & Dragons world in two main ways. The first is roleplay, so that's who you are. You are an Elven Ranger, maybe you're a bit of an edgelord and no one understands you and can get along with you and you do things your own way. Or maybe you want to do the best you can for the world and get along with everyone. And that part's pretty straightforward, it's who you want to be. The second part is the game mechanics. That is boiled down to rolling a 20 sided dice. So your elven ranger comes into a situation and they want to do something. They want to steal some money out of an orc's pocket. So what happens? You say to the dungeon master, I want to steal gold from this orc. They'll get you to roll a 20 sided dice. That's how we do everything. If you want to do something in a game, attack, steal, sneak, hide, persuade. roll a 20 sided dice and the dungeon master decides if that number is high enough for your character to succeed so when you're creating a character you're not just creating who you are for the role-playing part but your character determines the 20 sided dice result as it influences it which we'll go into later but to begin first two main mechanics role playing and dice rolling And it comes down to mostly that. That's what you'll be doing for 90% of the time you're playing this game. So what makes up a Dungeons & Dragons character? Uh, I'd say the three most important parts are your race, your class, and your background. So the races are typical fantasy archetypes. You know, elves, dwarves, humans. There's other ones in there as well, like specific to Dungeons & Dragons, like tiefling. If you're not sure who you want to play as, what race, I'd recommend a human. Because humans are very adaptable. They cover all your bases. If you want to play as any class, a human's usually pretty good for doing that. Although your race doesn't really determine your, what class you're going to play, you, you can pretty much go with any character in class. So, what is the class? The class is your job, so I'm not talking about washing dishes or, you know, doing the cash register at the local grocery store. Your class is your job within the group. Are you a fighter? Are you a paladin? Are you a wizard? Your class defines how you approach combat, what skills you have, everything like that. It's a pretty major part. To begin with, I would not recommend going with a wizard. A lot of people want to be a wizard or a thief is usually one of those two is what they want to go with I would strongly recommend if this is your first ever character go with a fighter so if you've never played before a human fighter is a pretty typical one it may seem boring but it's very basic you get into wizards you get into spell casting we're not going to cover spell casting in this we're just going to get you a basic character going if you want to be a human fighter that's what I'd recommend. Although you can pick another race if you want to be in elf or a dwarf. But a fighter is your class. Highly recommended. Your background. So you've got your race, which is, you know, the fantasy archetype that you are. The, the human, the elf, the dwarf. You've got your class, your fighter, your ranger, your paladin, your rogue, your wizard. The background. The background is kind of flavor. So up until this point, your character has lived a life. They've done stuff. They've been out and about and they picked up skills along the way so this comes down to the background of your character are you a criminal were you a hermit were you a religious acolyte a criminal is a usual uh, popular background because it gives you a bit of you know uncertainty to who you are it's very exciting uh, a criminal's great I- I'd recommend that as a good background if there's any background there you enjoy then you can go for that. It doesn't have too much of an impact. It just gives you a few extra skills, but it also gives you features that are sort of flavor for role playing your character, give you a bit more depth to your story. As you go on in Dungeons and Dragons you can create your own background with the help of your game master. For now just pick one of the base backgrounds there. It doesn't matter too much which one you pick, but um, it influences your who your character is quite a bit so that's your race, so if you're not sure which race, I recommend human your class, if you're not sure on your class, I recommend a fighter and your background, if you're not sure, just pick whichever one sounds cool which brings us on to the most important part before we get started on this step by step guide the most important part is the rule of cool if something sounds cool, pick that To be honest, in your first playthrough, just pick whatever sounds cool to you and do that. And you probably have a great time and you won't have to worry too much about backtracking or worrying about not having an optimal character. Just have a good time. That's why you're there. You'll learn for next time what type of character you want to be. Every time we play Dungeons & Dragons, we learn what we should have done better for next time. And that's going to be an ongoing thing for years and years and years. So let's get started. So how do you create a character? Before step one, I'd recommend reading the player's handbook, the Dungeons and Dragons player's handbook. It gives a lot of good information. It has all the races, all the classes, all the backgrounds, and this is stuff that you're going to need. So when you come into your character creation, Make sure you have a way to take notes or write down which race, class, background you want. And then we'll move forward from there. As we go through the steps, I'll tell you what to keep track of, what to write down, and then how we're gonna use that information later on. So we're gonna start basic, and then we're gonna get deeper into it as we go through. I'll miss out a couple of bits here, a couple of bits that may be a bit more in depth for later that you can go over with your game master, but this will get you started. And after you started, please do ask your game master. If you're not sure on something, ask them. They want you to be prepared. They want you to have the knowledge to play the game. They want you involved. Do not be afraid to ask questions. People in the hobby love new people, love answering questions. And the more you know, the better the game will be. So step one in creating your character. Pick a name. It might not seem that important, but the name is going to stick with you for a while people are going to keep calling you that in the game as they refer to you you know you can pick a fun name like crap bag if that's what you want your name to be but you're going to get called you know crap or mr bag or crappity bag for months if not years so probably should pick a good name before going forward next you're going to pick your race so write down your race one you want to play as as i said humans are a pretty good bet but mechanically your race gives you ability score increases that are race specific so um these race specific ability scores uh, are usually one or two point increase so i've already thrown a term out there that might confuse you ability score what the heck is an ability score an ability score is what makes up your character. So there are six ability scores, strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. These all contribute to determining who your character is in terms of their abilities. So obviously your, your strength is your athleticism, your dexterity is how quick you are, constitution is how tough you are, intelligence is your knowledge wisdom is your sort of background knowledge out in the world just think of intelligence as inside your head and wisdom is outside of your head the knowledge of those two things charisma is obviously your ability to talk and persuade others we'll come back to those skill sorry abilities later as we go through it but those are the six abilities to think about for now when you're picking your race because that's what it influences so humans get a plus one to all their abilities you know dwarves get a big boost to constitution because they're tough and elves get a bonus to dexterity as they're very quick these are all things to consider do you want your character to be quick tough or all around good at everything as you move forward but yeah i'd say pick the race that sounds cool if you want to be a dwarf a Uh, If you're not sure, pick a human. Step 3, pick a class. As I said before, I highly recommend if this is your first time playing you pick a fighter. You could pick a rogue, there's a few more mechanics at play there. But going with a fighter, you can't really go wrong, you bash stuff over the head, you get bashed over the head, you go back and forth. If this is your very first time playing, unless you're much smarter than me, which you probably are, you should pick a wizard. Or not pick a wizard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, don't pick a wizard. Pick a fighter, a rogue, maybe a paladin. If you want a bit of magic, pick a paladin. But don't go full wizard, sorcerer, nothing like that. I highly recommend you not. But, again, If it sounds cool, if you want to do it, pick it. But just be prepared to put a bit more work in on your first playthrough. I imagine most people don't want more on their plate. Step four, pick a background. So, as I said before, background gives you a few little bonus things. A few little extra tricks up your sleeve, which we'll come back to later. But pick the coolest background there, write it down, and we'll come back to that later so step five you're going to generate your ability scores so as i said before you have six abilities core abilities strength dexterity constitution intelligence wisdom charisma all six of these abilities are represented by a numerical value so this numerical value typically goes anywhere from one to 20, 10 is the average. So you're, if you're averagely strong, if you're averagely fast, you're at a 10. Anything above that, good. Anything below that, not so good. How do these numbers affect your character? Well, obviously, if you have a higher number, you're better at that ability. Typically, we'd say that most adventurers be around a 10 or higher, Having less than a 10 is quite common. A lot of people actually enjoy that. They like to have a bit of a disadvantage of one thing to force them to be better at the other things and accommodate for that. But to get these six numbers for your abilities, you have to roll for them. That's the most traditional way in which people generate these ability scores is they'll roll dice to determine what they are. There is a point by system and To use the point by system is a little more advanced. There are calculators online. I would recommend not doing that on your first playthrough unless your game master specifically requests that you do. Rolling dice is by far easiest one. Typically we say roll seven 20 sided dice. If the result is lower than eight, re-roll them. Then once you have seven numbers above eight, Get rid of the lowest one. Use the six for your abilities. So, how do you decide which number to put in which ability? Well, in order to decide that, you need to know what the abilities do. So, I'm going to quickly go through exactly what the abilities do. Um, we'll start off with strength. Strength directly affects how accurate and deadly you are with physical weapons, so you know things like swords. It determines how good you are at hitting someone and damaging them with that sword. Also affects how athletic you are. So if you want someone who's good with swords and athleticism, so like barbarians, fighters, paladins, any of those characters, you want strength. So if you're making a fighter for your first character, you want to have some strength. Next up is your dexterity, so your dexterity affects how accurate and damaging you are with your ranged weapons, so obviously something like a bow, you know if you're using a a long bow in combat you want to be ranged, you want dexterity, it also affects your agility and reflexes. It's pretty important for characters like rangers would be the most common one. rogues, and also monks. probably not going to delve into them on your first playthrough but a ranger or a rogue you definitely want good dexterity constitution is the next ability score this one's pretty basic it doesn't affect any skills really with your character all constitution affects is your health points so when you make your character your constitution will directly affect how many hit points you have which we'll come to later But yeah, constitution is one of those things where if you think you're going to get hit a lot in combat, put some points into your constitution. So if you're making a fighter, for example, you want to have the highest dice roll out of your six put into the strength. So let's say the highest dice roll you had was a 16. You assign that to your strength. You've got 16 strength. Your next highest roll is a 14. I'd say put that in your constitution. Give you a pretty good bonus. As we move down the list come to intelligence so your intelligence ability uh, it's good for wizards so this is your first playthrough and you're not playing as a wizard intelligence is what we would call a dump stat so a dump stat is what you put your lowest number in because it's not that important to you now intelligence does affect your ability to retain information so it helps directly with knowing history or any knowledge related to that but if you're a fighter and you want to be tough uh, intelligence would be your dump stat so the least important to you the next ability, wisdom is pretty good it's used for um, spell casting for druids and clerics but also used for awareness so your outside of your own mind your intelligence around you um, spotting things noticing things your wisdom is pretty important i'd say it's a toss-up between wisdom and your next ability charisma charisma obviously fantastic for persuading intimidating deceiving people also used for bards warlocks sorcerers for their magic um So I'd say a toss-up between Wisdom and Charisma of whether you want to um, put points into those. But yeah, those are your six abilities and what they're used for. So Strength, Dexterity, Constitution, Intelligence, Wisdom, Charisma. If you're creating a human fighter character, I'd say in terms of importance, it would go Strength, Constitution, Um either charisma or wisdom, dexterity, intelligence. Your dexterity does affect other things but we won't go into that right now as you're just trying to get a character off the ground. So before we go on to the next step, let's quickly talk about Dungeons and Dragons dice slang. So a common thing you'll hear is d20. So people will be playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons and I'll say roll a d20 what that means is let's break it down pretty quick d20 d means dice 20 refers the number of sides it has so it's a 20-sided dice if it's a d6 that's d for dice and six for six sides it's a six-sided dice it's as simple as that if someone says roll a d20 you roll a 20-sided dice you can get your You know, Siri, or Alexa, or the G-Lady, which I have here, so I'm not going to say the name. You can get them to roll it for you. And commonly a 20-sided dice is what is used. Uh, Any other dice are used for things like combat, stuff like that. You don't need to know about any of that. Just worry about a 20-sided dice. And once you've rolled your ability scores, so you've rolled 70-20, discarded the lowest one, and then assign the six other 20-sided dice results to your six abilities. Um, We move on to the next step, which is to calculate your ability scores. So, to calculate your ability scores is pretty simple. There's a table for it. The table is on our website, knightsofthebraille.com. Go to Game Materials. Go to How to Create a Dungeons and Dragons character. I've put all of this into a document so you can reference it, follow it step by step. There's a list of tables at the end, one of them is the ability score table. All this does is shows you what your ability score modifier is. So what is a modifier? A modifier is what you add to your dice result on behalf of your character. So that means if you're trying to do something in the game and you roll a 20-sided dice, you get to add your character's modifier for whatever that dice roll is. So let's say you have a fighter character who wants to perform something to do with their strength. So you're trying to push something. Your game master asks you to make a strength check. You roll a 20-sided dice. The result is a 10 but your strength modifier is 2 so that means you get to add 2 to the result and make it a 12 because you're a stronger character so therefore any result you have based on luck you also get a bit of a boost a boost of 2 based on that. so where does this modifier come from it comes from your base ability scores so let's say you rolled a 16 for your ability scores and you assigned that to your strength so your strength is now 16 that's your base ability score your modifier for 16 would be three so how do i determine that well a 10 or an 11 is the baseline for any ability score that's a zero that's a modifier of nothing zero so after 10 11 it goes up so on even numbers bumps up one. so on a 12 or a 13 it goes up to one on a 14 or a 15 it goes to two 16 17 goes to three and so on and so forth this is in a table which you can find on the internet you can find on our website nice at the braille.com it's very simple to use you just reference what your ability score is and determine the modifier it will ask you for your modifier on the character sheet your modifier is also your saving throw for that ability so your abilities have their core value which is a number from one to twenty they have their modifier which is usually a number between zero and five and it has the saving value which is usually between zero and five So those are the basic parts you need. You reference the ability score table or go up by even numbers. So 10 or 11 to zero, 12, 1, and so on. Each even number going up. You can look at the table. That's what I'd recommend to do. Easiest thing, get your modifier value and your saving throw value, fill those in. Pretty simple. So the next step after your ability scores Calculating your ability score modifier and calculating your ability score saving throw. Which brings us to the next logical step of character creation which is adding proficiency. So what the hell is proficiency? Proficiency is how experienced your character is with something. So your experience with any given skill or tool is determined by a base number. At level one, everyone's proficiency is two. That means if you are skilled with something, experienced, if you are proficient with something, on top of the modifier, you get to add a proficiency bonus. So let's go back to that strength check you're trying to push something and you get to add two to the 20 sided dice result when you're pushing that object because you've got a high strength you have a strength modifier of two so you roll a 10 on the dice and you add your strength modifier of two but let's say for whatever reason the action you're doing you're experienced with it you get to add your proficiency bonus of two which would bring it from 12 to 14. So we started with a result of 10 on the dice, we added two for your strength, and then we added your proficiency of two, giving a total of 14 to your result, hopefully giving you success on whatever you were doing. So proficiency can be added onto things, but you also have permanent proficiencies. So your ability scores stay the same, Your ability score modifiers stay the same. However, your saving throws get proficiency. So when you pick a class, like the fighter, you get proficiency with certain saving throws. It will tell you right there under the fighter, you get proficiency with your strength saving throw and your constitution saving throw. So let's say your strength is 16 your strength modifier is uh, two, sorry three. Um, your saving throw would also be three. So strength of 16, your strength modifier is three, your strength saving th- throw is three. But you're a fighter, so you get a proficiency bonus with your saving throw, it means you add another two. So that three for your saving throw becomes a permanent five because you're proficient at it. This proficiency also works for weapons so if you're proficient with a weapon when you're going to hit someone with that weapon you get a bonus of plus two so you're rolling a 20-sided dice to see if you hit an enemy you roll a 10 That 10 becomes a 12 because you're proficient with that weapon it's pretty great your proficiency bonus increases as you level up it's clearly marked on the class list of bonuses you get as you look through the player's handbook it will tell you that your proficiency bonus goes up to three i think level five and it will continue to increase so as you become more skilled um, your abilities and um, your ability with weapons and skills will all increase thanks to proficiency so now that we have your base ability score your ability modifier and your ability saving throw with your proficiency bonus added to the saving throw, we now go to skills so your abilities are your core character abilities that affect how you perform as an individual with your smarts with your strength, with your speed, your toughness. Um, your skills are more specific variants of those. So for example, your charisma. Charisma is your ability to talk. Generally, you could be good at talking. So you could have an ability modifier of two for your charisma. That would mean any skill related to charisma. So things like... Deception, intimidation, performance, persuasion. All of those have a value of two because your charisma has a modifier of two. So that charisma modifier directly affects your skill modifiers. But those skills, because they're specific skills that you become talented at, some of them you get proficiency bonuses with. So that two... Becomes a 4 as you add your base proficiency bonus of 2 onto it. But those proficiencies with skills are based on your class. But before we go into the proficiency bonus. Let's quickly go over the abilities and the skills. Because I know that could be a bit confusing. So let's strip it all back there. Go back to your abilities where we were. Ability, base score... Ability modifier, ability save and throw. We want your modifier. What are your ability modifiers and which skills do they affect? So, let's start with the strength. Strength affects only one skill that you have, which is athletics. Uh, athletics, is obviously your ability to run, swim, uh, do a number of things. Um, that's number one out of the 18 skills that every character has available to them. Next on the list is your dexterity ability modifier, which affects acrobatics, sleight of hand and stealth. So obviously acrobatics is your ability to jump and land and things like that. Sleight of hand, to steal, pickpocket, stealth is to sneak. Uh, Dexterity is pretty handy in terms of those skills. Your constitution ability modifier does not affect any skills, there are no skills that get a bonus from your constitution. Your intelligence affects arcana, history, investigation, nature and religion. Now I'm not going to explain all the skills are, you probably recognise some of them like you know history, your ability to recall facts about history, pretty straightforward. You'll learn most of these skills as you go, you're not required to remember any of them but do you remember the rule of cool if it sounds good you should probably pick that one Um, next up wisdom your wisdom affects your animal handling insight medicine perception and survival skills which are all pretty handy Uh, Wisdom's a great ability modifier to have charisma as i said before it affects your deception intimidation performance and persuasion this is good for people that want to do a lot of talking and want to influence the people in their game. By people in the game I mean the non-player characters, so everyone else in the world except your party, although technically you can manipulate them if you choose to. So as I said, those ability scores all directly affect those skills. So your strength modifier of 2 means your athletics skill has a modifier of 2 as well. Charisma, Has a modifier of two, your deception skill has a modifier of two. It's pretty straightforward, you just go through the list which ability affects which skill and what's the modifier. Let's just copy them over, it's as simple as that. Then, once you finish that part, you just add your proficiency bonuses to some of the skills. So, depending on the class you pick, you get proficiency with different skills. So, if you pick a fighter, you get the option to choose Athletics as a proficient skill. That would mean if you pick that on top of the the base modifier for your athletic skill, you get to add another two. So that means that although your core abilities give you modifiers to take on tasks, your skills actually give you more specific modifiers to take on tasks, and that gives you a proficiency bonus. It's pretty handy. So, as I said earlier, your proficiency bonus affects your weapons. So, if you're skilled with a sword, you get a plus two proficiency bonus when you roll into hit with your sword. But before we go into that, maybe I should talk a bit about how combat works. So, combat is the same as everything else. Where you decide you want to hit someone, so you roll a 20-sided dice or a d20. And that determines if you hit or not. As I said, you get bonuses to that. So a sword, you get a bonus from your strength, so you get to add your strength modifier. And you get a bonus if you're proficient, so you add your proficiency bonus too. If you roll a d20, the results are 10. Your strength modifier is 2, so because it's a sword, you add the 2 for a 12. Plus you're proficient with the swords, you add another two, you get a 14. So that's step one in combat. Step two is uh, rolling for damage. So under the weapon it will clearly mark what dice you roll to deal damage. Uh, Let's say you're fine with a sword and it says 1d6, that means you roll one six-sided dice for damage. And if it's a sword, you get to add your strength modifier to that damage. So your strength modifier is 2, you roll 1d6, a six-sided dice, you get a 3. You get to add that strength modifier of 2 to make it a 5 and deal 5 damage to the enemy. But you do not get to add your proficiency bonus to the damage. So if you think of it this way, you get to add your proficiency to anything you're proficient with as long as you're rolling a d20, so a 20-sided dice. If you roll in any other dice, usually you don't get to add your proficiency bonus unless the rules or your game master says so. So just remember, 20 sided dice add your proficiency if you are proficient. If it's not a 20 sided dice, don't worry about it. So that's pretty much how combat works, you determine if you're in range to hit someone, Uh, close combat you have to be within 5 feet, Uh, long range is usually, you know, anything above that once you've determined you're in range you roll to hit you make an attack roll that's the 20 sided dice you add your strength you add your proficiency if that number is equal to or higher than your enemy's armor class you hit then after that you roll for damage so determine the range roll to hit and then roll for damage and that's pretty much combat i'll quickly go over the distances actually now that i mention it the five foot. So Dungeons & Dragons was traditionally played on a grid. That doesn't apply to us because we're using Theatre of the mind but let's pretend we're on a grid where you move things one square at a time. Each of those squares is equal to five feet. So everything is measured in increments of five feet. That's why for a close combat weapon like a sword You have to be within five feet. When we're playing the theory of the mind I wouldn't worry so much about that I just say to the game master hey uh, am I close enough to run up and hit this person they say yeah then you use your movement to run over and hit them. If you ask them am I in range to hit this person they say no you're not you say well how do I make that happen The theory of the mind is more about talking things through. I wouldn't worry too much about the measurements of feet and distance. I'd worry more about your ability as a character. So how do we determine which weapons you are proficient with? Well, it will tell you. It will tell you under your class information. So the class you picked, it will tell you whether you're proficient with simple weapons martial weapons or specific things like daggers and quarterstaffs all of these are classed so they come under two main categories of simple weapons and martial weapons. A simple weapon is something like a club um, or a quarterstaff very basic stuff, daggers. Martial weapons are things that are a bit more involved like a sword Um, and then you have ranged stuff so under simple weapons you have simple melee weapons and simple ranged weapons a simple ranged weapon could be a sling something like that it's the same under martial weapons you have martial melee weapons where you know close range then you've got martial range weapons cool stuff like long bows and heavy crossbows stuff like right that but if it says simple weapons that includes melee and ranged. if it says you're proficient with martial weapons, that means both, melee and ranged Um, so you know with a fighter you're, you're proficient with both so basically any weapon you pick up you add your proficiency bonus to it which is pretty handy the only other thing to take into account is as I said earlier melee weapons use your strength so close range they use your strength, long range they use dexterity so that means If you're wielding a sword, you add your strength modifier. If you're wielding a bow, you add your dexterity modifier. There's one caveat there that's pretty interesting, which is the finesse property. So, as you read through the weapons, they'll have properties. There's one called finesse. And what finesse does, it allows you to pick. You can decide whether to use either your strength or your dexterity to add to your attack roll and your damage roll. Now you have to do it for both, so if you pick your strength, you have to use your strength for the attack roll and the damage roll, same with dexterity. It may not apply to you if you're playing as a fighter character who's close range, but it's good to know that you have that option so that if you're a ranger or a rogue that's put a lot into dexterity, you can also use certain swords, like a, a... a rapier where you get to use your dexterity to make your attack roll it's very handy so after we've done you know proficiency weapons which weapons do you get well that's under your class it tells you there's a list of equipment and it will tell you the weapons so under weapons it will tell you you know you get two axes or two simple weapons that means you can take the axes or you can pick two simple weapons from the simple weapons list. It's as simple as that. Again rule of cool. something seems interesting. Pick that. I'd recommend picking the weapons on offer. If it says pick two axes or pick two simple weapons, take the two axes just because it's easier. You're not really sure and it's sort of what they're suggesting you should take on your first go. Once you've got a bit more of a handle on the weapons and do that. If you're someone coming to the game that's like, I've always wanted to use, you know, a longsword, then go ahead and pick a longsword if that's what you want to use, and I'm sure you have a great time using it. There's a few rules on there, but again, ask your game master if you're not sure about the specific rule of a weapon. They'll be more than happy to help. Uh, I know that I would with my players. So you equip the weapon. Let's say, come in, you've got a short sword. You've equipped it, you added your strength modifier to your attack roll and your proficiency bonus. So your strength modifier of 2 and your proficiency bonus of 2 for a plus 4. So when you roll to hit an enemy, you roll a d20, you get to add 4. And then when you roll your damage, you get to add 2 your strength modifier. It's great. So now we're going to move on to armor. Armor is pretty simple. Um, Your armor class begins at 10. So what is armor class now that I've said that? (laughs) Armor class is how difficult it is to hit you. So your armor class is a combination of many things boiled down to very simple numerical value. Your armor class represents how quick you are. If you can dodge out of the way of blows. Sort of how tough your armor is. How good you are at defending yourself. This number represents all of these things to you. And when someone's making their attack whirl. When they're rolling to hit you. They roll the d20. They add their strength modifier. They add their proficiency bonus. All of this is trying to equal your armor class or higher. So that they can hit you. So as I said, the number for your armor class, the number someone has to roll to to hit you, starts at 10. And then it goes up from there. That's your baseline. 10. So how do we determine how much it goes up? It's easy. If you're not wearing any armor at all, you just add your dexterity modifier. So if you've got a dexterity modifier of 2, it's 10 plus 2. Your armor class is 12 because... You're pretty fast, so even if you're not wearing armor, you got a pretty good armor class. That's pretty simple. The next thing you could have is light armor, so something like leather armor. Light armor automatically gives you an 11 for your armor class plus your dexterity. So let's say you've got dexterity 2, you put on light armor. Your armor class goes from 10 to 11, plus your dexterity modifier becomes 13. It's pretty good, gives you a plus 1 basically to um, your armor class. Now that's generally speaking about light armor, that's saying that most light armor in the game, that's what it will do. Okay, and I'll do the same for medium armor and heavy armor. Read the rules for whatever armor you get, but generally speaking, that's how they work. It's just to give you an idea of the different armor classes. So next up would be medium armor. Uh, Medium armor generally takes your armor class up to 12 automatically and then allows you to add your dexterity modifier to a maximum of 2. So what the hell does all of that mean? It means medium armor gives you an armor class of 12 and then you can increase it by another 2 using your dexterity and no higher. So let's say... Your character has a dexterity modifier of 3, you get some medium armor on, your armor class goes to 12. Your armor class can only go up to 14, you can only add 2. Even though you have dexterity modifier of 3, 2 is the maximum for for medium armor. So 14 is sort of the cap. If your dexterity modifier is lower, if it's a 1, you only add 1. It goes up to 13. But yeah, 2 is the maximum, generally speaking that you can add to from a dexterity modifier to your armor class value. Heavy armor there is no dexterity bonus your heavy armor is a flat armor class value given to you by wearing it let's say it's a 16 that's it you get a 16 for your armor class it's pretty good but it does not allow for any dexterity bonuses that you may have and again generally speaking heavy armour gives you disadvantage on stealth checks, so you're not as good at being stealthy. So what the hell does disadvantage mean as I quickly sip my tea? Disadvantage means that you aren't quite in a situation to do as well when you roll your 20-sided dice to determine an outcome. So, on any given day you're trying to do something in Dungeons and Dragons, so you roll a 20-sided dice to determine whether you can succeed or not. If you are at disadvantage, you roll two 20-sided dice and you use the lowest result. So if you roll a 12 and an 8 at disadvantage, you use the 8 and discard the 12. Complete opposite for advantage. If you're in a good situation, you have advantage on a check, you roll 2d20, you get a 12 and an eight, you discard the eight and you use the 12. So that's advantage and disadvantage. Very simple rule to get around changing numbers all the time in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, It works pretty great. But yeah, um, going back to the heavy armor, it gives you disadvantage on stealth checks most of the time. Again, this is a very general thing for armor just to give you an idea of how the numbers calculated but again your armor class, your ability to dodge or take hits is determined simply by a number called your armor class value and you determine this by any armor you have or lack of armor, uh, dexterity modifiers if you have heavy armor no dexterity modifiers you record that in your character sheet so next up we have inventory so you've got your weapons equipped, so the weapons from your class that are given to you. Got your armour from the class that's given to you. There's a bunch of other stuff written down under your class. Where does that go? That goes in your inventory. So just chuck all of that stuff in your inventory, worry about it later. Write it down on the list, it's part of your character. One thing included typically when you're picking a class is a pack. What the hell is a pack I hear you asking? Well, a pack Think of it as a goodie bag. You get a bunch of stuff in it that's automatically added to your character. You usually get a choice of two packs, like a Dungeoneer's pack and an Explorer's pack is a pretty typical pair. Within these goodie bags, it's a set thing what is in there. It will tell you. If you Google it, you know, what's in a Dungeoneer's pack in Dungeons and Dragons? It will list it out. Everything you get every time you play You get rations, you get a bedroll, you get a tinderbox. A bunch of stuff you need for camping and traveling and surviving in the wild get a few little bonus items some of it's for flavor rations do you need to eat in the game yeah you do but your dungeon master might say "Eh, you guys are having fun without all that survival stuff i won't worry so much about the rations or they might keep track of it one by one exactly how many rations you need or not it's entirely up to them i wouldn't worry about it until you start the game sometimes you get items that are sort of for flavour so if you get a priest pack i think it's got stuff like incense you know it might be used for rituals things like that you could just use it for flavour but um yeah the packs are just extra items i wouldn't worry too much about it i just add it to your inventory and that'll be the end of it so we've done your ability scores we've done your skill modifiers We've done your weapons, your armor, we've listed your inventory. Next up, we are going to calculate your hit points. So, what are hit points? Uh, if you've played a video game before, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. If you've got 10 hit points, you know, that's how many hits you can take until you reach zero, at which point you're dead. Obviously. You don't take one hit point damage at a time, it's variable, someone rolls a d6 and gets a 5, your 10 hit points goes down to 5 hit points. I mean hit points is pretty self explanatory, I think most people know what it is and how it works and if you're not too sure the first time you go through combat you'll learn pretty quickly when you reach 0 hit points and a force to make what is called a death save. which I can explain after this section briefly but hit points are determined by your class so if you're a class and it says you get eight hit, eight hit points to start with plus your constitution modifier so as I said earlier constitution affects no skills whatsoever but it does directly affect how many hit points you have so if you start with eight hit points plus your constitution And your constitution modifier is 10. That means you get 10 hit points. So. Does that carry on level to level? Yes. You continue to add your constitution modifier as you level up. You get more hit points each time you level up. And so if you've got 10 hit points to begin with. You know you could have another 10 on the next level. It's sort of determined by your game master again how they want to generate hit points for each further level but to begin with it's a flat rate it is a number plus your constitution modifier and it will tell you directly under your class um, when you're looking through the player's handbook but as we are going through this just for fun i'll tell you about a death save so you reach zero hit points what happens now you have to roll death saves so a death save is a d20, a 20-sided die, we use them for everything. You have to roll a 10 or higher three times to stabilize yourself and not die. Now, that doesn't have to be consecutive. You don't have to roll 10 or higher three times in a row. You just got to do it three times. If you roll less than 10 three times beforehand, then you die. And that's basically a death save they'll go through it when you play but that is the very basic mechanic you do not get to add any modifiers you just roll the 20 sided dice and the result is the result so now we've done hit points let's go on to hit dice it will tell you under your class how many hit dice you get you start with one hit dice it will tell you the value of that dice so whether it's a d6 for a six sided dice or a d8 for an eight sided dice. You get one of that dice at level one. Now what is a hit dice? I hear you asking. Well a hit dice is used to regenerate hit points when you are resting. Only when you have a short rest though. There are two types of resting in a game. Short rest, long rest. A short rest is like a 4 hour napathon where you roll your hit dice and regain that many hit points. It's quite straightforward when you go through it in the game, so you just need to record the hit dice for that. While we're on the subject, a long rest is 8 hours, it regenerates all of your hit points, it does not use your hit dice, and any hit dice you have used are regenerated when you take a long rest. It's a pretty simple mechanic. I wouldn't worry too much about the Hit Dice. Some people take so many long rests throughout the game that they rarely use the Hit Dice. But just write down what it says under your class for the Hit Dice on your sheet. So you've got it there for when you need it. Next up to figure out for your character is to calculate your initiative. What is initiative? Initiative is how fast you are in combat. So it determines your turn order. So when combat happens, we all take turns. You take a turn, I take a turn, the evil goblin we're fighting takes a turn, but the initiative determines in what order we take that turn. So your initiative, quite simply, is your dexterity modifier. So combat begins, the game master says to you, a goblin jumps out, he's gonna attack you, roll initiative you roll a d20 a 20 sided dice and you add your dexterity modifier so if you roll a 10 your dexterity modifier is 2 your initiative is 12 and you tell your game master i got a 12 and he says okay that's great you know the you go first Uh, or maybe you rolled a 2 for a total of 4 and you go last it all depends but it helps to vary up combat so that the same person isn't always going first your modifier doesn't make a huge difference but it does make a small enough difference that you don't feel cheated if you roll low so now you have your initiative which is your dexterity modifier we calculate your passive perception what the hell is passive perception your passive perception, think of it as your peripheral vision so your central vision is what your paying attention to what you're looking at what you're concentrating on and your passive perception is your peripheral vision do you notice anything around you so obviously perception is anything to do with smell hearing vision do you manage to notice anything or do you not so passive perception works mechanically that if someone wants to sneak up on you they have to roll a d20 a 20-sided dice they have to roll, add their stealth skill modifier to that result, so they roll a 10, they have a stealth skill modifier of 14, because they're proficient with it, oh, a 4, sorry, because they're proficient, it becomes a f- total of 14, they rolled a 10, they get a 4, total of 14. Your passive perception value is 13. That means because their stealth skill rolled higher than your passive perception, you do not notice them they manage to sneak by you so if you've got a high passive perception you catch people sneaking around you trying to steal out your pockets or doing anything underhanded if you have a low passive perception you don't notice a bloody thing so how do we determine your passive perception it's your wisdom modifier plus 10 so if your wisdom modifier is 1 your passive perception is 11 it's as simple as that Um, you determine your passive perception write it down in your character sheet your game master might need it if they're trying to sneak around you I know that I keep people's passive perception written down so that I can sneak stuff around them without them knowing but your game master might need to ask you for a spell or or something at some point so um, it's good to have it written down and that's your character that's it, you're done you've got your base ability scores You have your ability score modifiers, you have your ability score saving throws and you added your proficiency bonus to two of those saving throws based on your character class. You have your skill modifiers, so you have 18 skills which are directly related to your ability score modifiers and you get to add your proficiency bonus to a select number of those skills based on your class and sometimes your background, it will tell you under your background. You have your weapons equipped, so the weapons you picked from your class are equipped in your character. You've got your attack role modifier of potentially your strength and proficiency bonus, You've got your damage role modifier, which is usually just your strength and no proficiency bonus, or your armour class, which is based on what you're wearing or not wearing. Uh, You have the rest of your inventory, which we went through, where you get some additional items. Sometimes they're useful in game, sometimes they're sort of for flavour, although that's debatable. I'm sure lots of people would love to debate on that. Um, Next up, we did your hit points, which is how much damage you can take directly. Your hit dice, which is how much damage you can recover in a short rest. Got your initiative, which is how quickly you um, react in combat. Then we had your passive perception, which is your ability to notice anything going on around you. Those are the basic things you need to get started. You get some features and stuff through your class and through your character background. You write those down as well. Take those into account. Just read them through. They're pretty straightforward. But that's all you need to get a character going. All these steps are written down on the guide our website knightsofthebraille.com under the game materials section you can always ask questions in the discord um, we're always happy to help chat about this stuff and um, yeah you're ready to get started I'm always trying to run one shots in the discord um, just go ahead and ask if you want one and I'm happy to set one up and uh, yeah welcome to Dungeons and Dragons if you've got any questions um Please do ask. Thank you for listening to Knights of the Braille. If you're interested in our groups, please visit our website, knightsofthebraille.com. Whether you want to run a game, join a game, or learn how we play, our website holds a lot of answers. Join our Discord, where we have discussions and run games. Follow us on Twitter to help spread the word of accessibility in tabletop gaming. Any support you show our community is greatly appreciated. Thank you.